Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This week, Pastor Scott Johnson brings us the first week of our new series, The Bigger Picture. Enjoy the message. My name is Scott, and I'm one of the pastors here. I spend a lot of my time in Aner because I'm the Aner campus pastor. So glad that you're here, especially in Conway. There are people watching online. Make them feel welcome. People who tune in every week. People right now, maybe for the first time. You've tuned in, and you're like, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on, but there's something that someone said, hey, it might be, might be cool to watch, good for you. We're just, we'll welcome you, especially, you need to know this. You may be watching, but you are not watching alone, and I don't mean the people right beside you. I mean that there are people that um, sit right there on their computer we have ready to talk to you in a chat box, and just, you got questions, we want to connect with you. Um, just make sure that you reach out. We'd love to have a conversation. We got people who are so great at doing that. Uh, we just want this to be a place, whether you're watching online, you're here, that you're known by your name. That's, that's the biggest thing. Everyone has a name, and you need to be known by it. And today, we've been talking into that concept a little bit more. Um, we're starting a new series. You can see in the back, it's a brand new picture called uh, The Bigger Picture. And we're asking um, a kind of a series of questions over the next few weeks. We're going to be walking through the, the whole of Scripture, if I could say, like coming from Genesis all the way into the New Testament. And the reason we're doing that, we're kind of getting a better picture, more clarity about a picture, and, and that picture being Scripture itself. And not just Scripture, but it's especially about Jesus. And what we're going to see for the next couple of weeks is how all these pieces and all these kind of puzzle pieces at a time, if you're reading the Old Testament, it may seem like, well, that's weird. That's disjointed. That's suspicious. Like, what's that story about? And how, where does it connect? Like, is it a piece of a puzzle that's a part of a bigger thing that God's doing? And we're going to do that. And the way that's kind of a little bit of a handrail that helps us do this is this is actually being taken from the genealogy of Jesus. And that's a big word that basically means, like, who's your mom now? That's basically what that means. Jamie, you know what I'm talking about. Like, but who's your mom now? Who's that? Like, Matthew starts out that way because it's a letter written about Jesus to a Jewish audience. And for them, that was a very big question. Where'd you come from? Who's your family? And that's a really big deal um, in Judaism, and it helps us kind of why Matthew's gospel um, starts out that way and how the other ones don't necessarily start that way. So we're going to talk about this bigger picture and how these things fit together. Um, but I'll be just up front with you. Some of the stories are weird. I mean, like today, today's a weird story. It's about a wrestling match. Like, shit, for real. It's about a When I say wrestling, that's wrestling if you're not from Aner. So wrestling is real, and wrestling is scripted, right? Because you and Aner is two things you know to be true. Wrestling's real, and the moon landing was fake. Like, we know we know what we're talking about. You, you with me, right? 100%. Like, we know. Now, wrestling is like, like the good stuff. And so we're going to see this in Scripture today. It's like a wrestling match just broke out. And it's weird because dude comes off the top rope out of nowhere. Like, we'll see the story. Now, I'm not making this up. Like, you should read the Bible. This stuff is weird. It's awesome. It's great. And we're going to see that in the book of Genesis, just a wrestling match breaks out. Um, so we're going to get into the story about a guy by the name of Jacob. And, and i got to give a little bit of a backstory about Jacob and how he's a part of the bigger picture. The first question is this. So there's a guy 
by the name of Jacob, who's in Jesus's family tree. He's in the lineage. He's part. He's like he's like you know the, the person way upstream. And so to kind of help you see where he is in the picture, um, there was a guy by the name of Abraham way way back in the in the Old Testament. It's kind of like the father, Father Abraham. He's the beginning. He's the guy who kind of starts the story of the people of God. Abraham got a new name from God. He was Abram, and God gave him Abraham. And, and he's kind of the father of Judaism and then subsequently um, Christianity later in history. So Abram has a son by the name of Isaac, and Isaac has some sons, and one of them is named Jacob. So Jacob is Abraham's grandson. That's the best way to so say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has Joseph and a bunch of other kids. And so this is the guy. He's right there kind of in Genesis. He's, he's right in the first book. And you would say, well, how does that guy's story have anything to do or speak any truth to my life today? That's, that's a great question. Well, the story of Jacob, if you really pay close attention, and if you look at who Jacob was before the wrestling match, you might go like, oh, okay, I, I can kind of relate to this guy. Because here's the story of Jacob. you got to understand, this is a story for anyone who's ever lied about something. And don't raise your hand because your wife can see it. Like, you ever lied about something? Mickey, don't put your hand up and she'll see it. Like, you ever lied about something? Because the story of Jacob, one thing we learn about his past is simply this. He was a twin, had a brother named Esau, and he lied to his father about who he was so that he could steal his birthright from his brother. Now, what does that mean today? Well, basically, imagine you had a twin brother, and that brother went behind your back with the help of your mom and stole your inheritance and just basically just wrote you all. Imagine how you would feel. So this is a story about a guy who lies, who's a stealer, and also has now family problems. So anyone else here, don't raise your hand because we're looking. You got family problems. Anybody else? But yeah, There's some problems in the family. Right? There's people that you don't talk to no more. There's things that have happened. Something happened along the way. Now there's just conversations don't come easy. Right? That's what happened to Jacob between him and his brother. Twin brother. They don't talk anymore because Jacob basically lies. He steals a birthright. And then Jacob basically goes on the run. And he basically has to leave his hometown, leave his homeland, because he's basically kind of got to go figure out life now because his past is catching up with him. Matter of fact, he's a guy that doesn't even have like, uh, he's not a good leader, like someone who has a good like leadership skills and someone who's a, he, a good identity and a good name. Matter of fact, um, he lives you know, kind of under the thumb of his father-in-law. He's, he's just got some, some issues. And so this is a story for anybody who's ever like had problems at home or like maybe things aren't great in your own relationships. And there's just you know, conversations that you know you need to have but they're really hard to have because of your past. Matter of fact, there's a part in the story when Jacob, God gets a hold of Jacob verbally and says, it's time for you to go home and have a conversation with your brother. And Jacob's like, no, no, you don't understand my brother. He's like, no, no, I know your brother. I was there. Like, but you don't understand. Like, some things have happened. God's like, I know. You need to go home and have a courageous conversation with your brother. And for Jacob, that meant saying, I'm sorry. So this is a story for anybody who's ever had to say, I'm sorry, and you had difficulty doing that. This is a story, the bigger picture for all of us about, can you relate to a guy who's ever had a conversation that you've dreaded having? Like, I would rather just, you know, concrete face plant than have that conversation. I will do whatever it takes to have that conversation with him or her. That's the story of Jacob. 
And that's where we find ourselves today in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 32, we see a guy who God said, you got to go home and talk to your brother. I'm like, no, I don't. Okay, all right. Okay, God. But, but I'm going to do it my way. Like, this is a story for anybody who ever, God has said, do some things you need to do. And you go, okay, God, I'll do it. But, but you got to understand, God, I need to do this my way. Oh, my, anyone ever tried to bargain with God? Like, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. You want me to talk to her. All right, well, let me do it my way. God's saying, no, 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 no. Just go say I'm sorry. Like, no, okay, God, you don't understand. Like, let me, I tell you, I got a better idea. What I should do is, like, I'm just kind of grease the skids a little bit. Let me, I tell you, guys, have you ever made your wife mad and you sent flowers? You did something wrong. James, I'm not going to look over there. Like, you did something wrong, and you're like, okay, I'm going to send a peace offering. Like, maybe, maybe some chocolates, maybe something to kind of like, so when I get home, like, maybe it will go well, right? So this, this is exactly what Jacob does. He decides, if I'm going to be talking to my brother, I tell you what, I'm going to send a peace offering, and what better thing to do than send a flock of goats, right? I mean, you've thought, guys, if it's not working at home, maybe consider goats. Sending some goats, some sheep, some cows, all kinds of things that you need. Whatever it's going to take to kind of just, you know, get you back in good graces, you take a page from Jacob. Now, when we read this in the story, it's not just that he starts sending a peace offering, to go meet his brother. He actually does something even more egregious than that. The, you know, the thing about Jacob is I said, how can a guy like this wind up in the Jesus narrative who himself is a terrible leader? Oh, what do I mean by that? He actually uses his family as a human shield. And so what he does, he's like, I say, oh, we'll send some people, we'll send my servants over there, we'll send everything, we'll send some, some gifts to try to, you know, y'all go, just talk him up. Maybe you can wear him down, right? Like one kid, like you go talk to mama. No, no you go talk to daddy. Like you, you ask him the question first, see if you can wear him down, then I'll come in and we'll try to convince him. Like there's like a, you know, we have our diplomacies that we try to enact. But Jacob says, I said, you don't send my whole family in front of me. Instead of manning up and having the conversation himself, he sends his wife and kids in front of him. Now, that in itself is problematic. How can a guy like that wind up in the Jesus story? Because God's not done yet. But he's relatable. So if you ever read the story of Jacob, you're like, I don't, I don't get this guy. But, but maybe you do understand Jacob if you've ever had a hard time having a hard conversation. Maybe you've ever lied, cheated, stole. You've ever just not lived up to your truest potential. Then you see the story. But there's one other little characteristic that we see about Jacob. I find this to be interesting because Jacob, from the outside looking in, from the worldly perspective, he's actually very successful. He has a lot of animals. He has a lot of light. He actually, wealth-wise, has got a lot of things going for him. This is a story for people who know what it's like to have it all and have nothing. And maybe you know people like, he's like, man, I just, I made it big at work. I've made it work everywhere, but at home... I'm still failing. This is a story about a guy who's got the whole world, but he doesn't have it in his heart. And so what's interesting in Genesis chapter 32, we read it this way. We actually kind of get into the mind of Jacob, how he's like, I think I'm going to try to appease my brother. So in Genesis chapter 32, we see he's, you kind of look at the, the mindset. So we'll look at back here. Jacob thought, I will try to appease my brother Esau by sending gifts ahead of me. Like, Okay, God, I'll have the conversation, but let me just try to, like, let me do this my way. I'm going to just send some gifts and try to appease him. When I see him in person, perhaps, maybe, maybe he'll be friendly with me. Not 
perhaps we'll be reconciled. Not perhaps I'll ask for forgiveness. Just like maybe, maybe if anything today, we could at least get on a friendly term. It's like he, now, the reason this is important, what, what's being said here is this. Jacob knows what he's done wrong. This is a story for people who already know that they've messed up. And you already know how far you've fallen from grace with the people in your life. You already know that you have strained relationships. You already know there's people that like, you're called them in a relationship with, but we just there's a lot going on there. This is a story about a guy who's like, maybe if I do all these things, maybe if I just put my, my, my stuff out there first, then maybe I can just distract him with that. Maybe he'll at least be friendly to me. Instead of just personally having a conversation. You, you know what this feels like, right? You go to dinner with someone and they're just on their phone. They, they won't have a conversation. Like, listen, can we just have a conversation? But we try to keep something between us to distract us. Maybe if I just send some stuff out there, we'll just kind of, maybe one, we'll, we might get into a conversation. But first, let's keep some stuff between us. Now, not only is he trying to distance himself from his brother, he's, he's using his whole family. But when you do that, when you push people away from you, here's what happens. So the gifts were sent ahead of Jacob, and he spent that night alone in camp. Now, we'll get to this word alone in the, in the next verse, because here's what happened. Anytime that we start pushing our family away from us, here's what happens. Just as soon as you start isolating yourself because you're not willing to deal with your problems, and you start pushing people away, and you start saying, well, I'll just put some distance between me and what's going on, we think we're getting ahead. But just when Jacob thought he was alone, just when you think that you can hide from God, just when you think like, well, I got all that figured out, just when you think you can hide from God, God comes off the top rope and just clothesline you. Just like, like, it's incredible. I love this next verse. It's so weird, and that's why I like reading scripture. This act, this pushing everything away, pushing himself, leaves himself on a literal island. He's standing at the river of Jabbok, which is a tributary that flows into the river Jordan. So he's at this point standing in the nation of Jordan today. And he's got himself kind of in a corner on an island, literally puts himself in isolation. So his choices put himself in isolation. All of a sudden, a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. Now, let's pause. You're like, hold up, hold up. Like, a man came and wrestled him through the night. That's the weirdest part of script. I, I get it. It's really, really strange. But what if it's not strange? What if the story of Jacob is actually an incredible narrative that touches all of our lives? I mean, has anyone else thought you were alone and that's when God really showed up? Have you ever kind of gotten to rock bottom and you, you isolated yourself and all of a sudden God finally shows up and God's like, finally get my hands on you? Have you ever thought like, okay, God, I'm going to handle this my way, and then all of a sudden just God shows up. Like, moms, you know this. You ever said, don't make me pull this car over? Anyone ever threatened to pull a car over? Like, this is the moment in Scripture when God pulls over the car and he gets off his flip-flop, just pat, 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 just starts working Jacob over. Like, a man shows up in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, I got your attention. Like, this is what parents, you, this isn't weird if you're a parent. You've been trying to get your child's attention, trying to tell them what they should do, and they're doing it their way. I will pull this car over, and I will wear you out. Like, if you weren't raised by that, you were raised wrong. I'm just sorry. Like, like you never got the spoon, and you got the, a flip-flop or the bottom of a shoe or something. Like, like, I will pull this car over. This is the moment in Scripture God says, I will pull this car over, and I will get your attention. Now, it's interesting. That, so this wrestle match ensues. Now, we think that sounds strange, but it's not. 
when we realize, well, here's a man trying to do his own thing, live his way, ignore God. But just when you think you got it figured out, God says, I'll step in. And I'm going to lay hands on you. And, and it may not go well, but here's the reason. It's not to hurt you, it's to help you. So this wrestling match that ensues, you could, oh my God, there's someone to come to, to kill him. No, 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 it doesn't come to kill, it comes to make him better. We gotta keep reading the story to see this. Just go back one screen if you don't mind. This left Jacob alone in the camp and he wrestled all night. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Okay, let's, that's weird. Right, it's okay to struggle with scripture. That's the whole point of the sermon, to wrestle with scripture. You're like, wait a minute, what? Well, that's weird. No, okay, you do the ultimate warrior thing and you run up here and you shake the ropes and you jump on man. Now you break his hip. Like, what's that about? Well, it, it may not be that strange when we stop to ask a question. Sometimes God's going to lay hands on some area of your life that's going to cause you pain if it'll slow you down. Like, you could be running hot and heavy doing your thing, but God said, if I got to slow you down, I will. And so when God touches his hip and he slows his roll, maybe sometimes God's saying, you, I'm going to slow your roll. Like you're running, you're doing your thing, but I will slow you down. You, you know this as a parent, right? You know sometimes that like, in order to throttle a kid is the best thing that you can do. Like you, you sometimes got to slow it down. That's why we restrict. That's why we cut things off. That phone's going away. You ain't seen that phone for a long time. There's some things you think you're doing, I'm going to start taking away from you. Not for your harm, but for your good. So this story sounds strange, but until you read it like a parent going, oh, okay. I see a loving God actually doing some things, not to cause harm, but to help. But sometimes you got to understand the pain, what's going on. So God says, I will touch your hip. Now this is, why do I keep saying God? Because we've never mentioned the word God here. I, I got to pause for a minute and say, whoa, hold up. Well, who's this man? And what kind of man can just touch a hip and cause it to come out of socket. Well, this passage is what theologians would describe as a theophany. Theophany, theo, meaning God, and the suffix, the, the, if you know, you've had an epiphany, an idea just shows up somewhere. Theophany in the Old Testament, when God just shows up, all right, God shows up, like on the scene, like can't explain it, he just shows up. Now, in, in the Hebrew, this is a man, but you could also, it was an angel, or God himself, in some way, God shows up to get a hold of Jacob. Now, we know this because of two things. The conversation that ensues and the place that Jacob named it when he left. And so, we got to keep reading to see this. The man saw, was going to win the match, so he touched Jacob's hip and enriched it. The man said, let me go for the day is done. So, he's wrestling with this God, angel, something all night long. And he's wrestling with him. But then this cool thing begins to happen. We see take place in the next verse. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, middle of the night, he's on an island wrestling this God being, this person. But into this moment, if there's any redemptive quality we've overlooked in Jacob, this is it. That he doesn't give up. That he wrestles all night long and he said, listen, I won't give up until you, you bless me. Now, what's interesting about this, the first blessing that Jacob got in his life, he stole it. We're seeing a turning point in a person. 
that if you wrestle with God and you wrestle with God's will and his word and you start to, to really embrace God, things begin to change in your life. And what's beautiful is we see that Jacob at this point says, like, I need a blessing. The blessing that I have in my life has brought nothing but pain and hurt. Everything I've done to this point has been to hurt me. I need your blessing. And this is a moment when a man realizes I can no longer take blessing. I can only receive it. Let me say it this way. You can't snatch love out of thin air. You receive it. You can't take grace from God. You receive it with open hands. This is a moment, a turning point in Jacob's mind. It's like, I've tried to take the kingdom by force, but maybe it doesn't happen that way. Maybe I need to empty my hands and say, okay, God, I'm ready to receive. And you can't receive until you've emptied your hands of all your own ambitions. So the, the story sounds strange, but it's not strange if you've ever realized that if you want the best God has for you, you just got to be willing to receive it and stop trying to earn it yourself. And stop trying to steal it, take it, and destroy it. Like, like you're going to go make it happen. Versus, no, no, the kingdom of God doesn't come, though. It comes as one who receives openly and freely. So Jacob begins to realize, I can't take this. Like, like God's going to have to bless me. I'm going to have to do this the right way. It's a turning point. And here's the beauty. because So at this point, this man, this angelic being, this person responds to that with this. It goes back to this question. What is your name? Now, this man, this being, this is a rhetorical question. Because you read this, you're like, okay, that, well, like, what, if, if he's God, wouldn't he already know his name? Well, that's not the point of the question. The point of the question is so that we would learn. Learn what? Well, here's what you don't see in English. That as a Hebrew reader, you go like, oh, hold up. Wait a minute. So what he says is this. My name is Jacob. Now, the name Jacob means deceiver. Now, you're like, well, that's a different story than if his name's Jacob. But if his name is deceiver, what does that mean? So this is the first time in Jacob's life that he actually stands up and says, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. Like, I, I'm not doing this right. It's the turning point in life when you finally recognize, like, I need help. When you realize, you're like, I need to just say, this is who I, this is how the world sees me. Like, I am willing to admit that. And so if anything's going to change in our life, it begins by simply standing up, being counted, and saying, this is who I am. I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be honest with you because this is who I am. I'm not going to try to hide behind anything else except for simply, this is who I am. And by claiming his name, it's like, I'm a deceiver. And so the angel doesn't just leave him there. This man, this, this theology, doesn't leave him there because the conversation continues to go. At this point, there's a reciprocation where the angel says, guess what? I hear you loud and clear. I hear your past. I know where you came from. I know these things define me. But from now on, your past will not define you. From now on, your name will be Israel, which is a two-part name. Anytime you see the word E-L, L as a suffix on a name, it means of God. Daniel, Samuel, Nathaniel, Noel, anybody's name that has E-L at the end of it, it is a suffix that means God. And so the word Israel means God fights. At this point, it's like God fights. Like you're someone who fights and wrestles with God. And you're going to have a new name because here, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men, and have won. Well, how do you win fighting with God? Well, the 
beauty of a win looks like this. What happens when we wrestle with God? What happens when we wrestle with his word and his will? The first thing is this. When we wrestle with God, we can get a new name. Like, what does winning look like? It's simply this. When you read the story of Jacob, and you're like, how can that story apply to my life? And I don't understand. It is a story for anybody who says, up to this point, I have been defined by my past. But from this point on, if I'm going to be winning, it's because I'm going to start seeing myself the way God sees me. And that my new name that God wants to give me is not based upon my past, but upon my future. You remember how we said that Jacob was a part of a bigger picture? Because at this point, Israel, later on in the story, is not just one man's name. It becomes the name of a nation, a people. And we start winning with God. We start winning in our struggles with God. We start realizing this is no longer about me. And that God wants to give us a new name. And he also not only wants to give us a new identity, but he also wants to give us a new walk. Now, Jacob limps away from this fight. He's got a new limp. He's got a new gangster walk. I don't know, the thug. I don't know what it is, but he walks away from this in a different way. But you got to ask yourself, like, what is that about? It's because God wants to give us a new name and a new direction. And so when we read through the story of Jacob, that's exactly what we're asking ourselves. Like, like, what is that new identity that God has for me? Do you want to continue to be defined by your past, or is it God's future for you, a better perspective on yourself? And is the way that you're walking this out now the way God wants you to walk? But there are three ways to actually get this done. Like, how does this happen? Like, how do I wrestle with God? It's a great question. When we wrestle with God, and if I said to wrestle with God, it's simply Jacob, in a metaphorical, in a very real way, wrestles with God. We're called to wrestle with God. Well, number one, to wrestle with his word. Like, to wrestle with his word, like, to read his word, like, it will confront you. It will challenge you. It is an opponent. It is a sparring opponent. That's what the word of God is. And that sparring opponent's not your enemy. It's what it makes you better. And so when we read scripture, it's going to hit you. It's going to punch you in the teeth sometime. That's the point of a sparring partner. It makes us better. And so we're going to embrace it. We're going to grab onto it. We're going to hold onto it. And so here's the first thing I'd say. If you're going to wrestle with the word of God and wrestle with his will for your life, you've got to embrace the struggle. Like you're going to have to embrace it. And what I mean by embracing the struggle is simply this. There's one way to handle adversity. You can just push it away. I'm just going to push it away, right? This is a man who literally has pushed his family away. He's pushed his people away, the people that love him the most, and he finds himself on an island. And he keeps pushing God to the margins of his life. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to win in your struggles with God, you're going to wrestle God, you have to pull him close. you got to embrace it. We see this because he says, my name is Jacob. I will embrace my name. That is who I am. This is what I've been. I'm willing to admit where I've gone wrong. Matter, this is a, this is a guy who's called to go and apologize for what he's done. You can't apologize unless you admit. So you embrace the struggle. You, you embrace it. You pull it in. Now, in fighting terms, we say, if your first act of survival is to get as far away from your opponent as possible, but when distance is not feasible, you pull your opponent as close as possible. Now, if you're a wrestler, jiu-jitsu, or anything, you know that pulling your opponent as close as you can is actually an advantage. 
When you, when you minimize the distance between you and your opponent, you learn more about the opponent. And when you pull, if I'm in an open guard in jiu-jitsu, I start feeling the tension in the opponent's body. I can start feeling the leaning and the shift of the weight. I can begin to predict where the opponent's going next. If you will pull God close, you too will be able to predict and feel where God's leaning and what he's going to do next and what his next thing is going to be. And you will learn the most by pulling him in close not by keeping them away. People say all the time, well, I wish you knew God's will for my life. I wish I knew what God's gonna do next is because you're keeping him too far away. But when you pull him close, you understand what is going on. You start being understand, oh, I feel him going, I feel God leaning this way, I feel God moving that way, and now you know how to respond. Not because he wants to hurt you, but make you better. When you wrestle with God's word and he challenges you, and you wrestle with his will, and you're like, I don't like that will. I want to keep God's will over there. I want my will. I would tell you, when you pull God's will close to you, it may hurt. It may challenge you. But that's the point. Pull it close. Embrace the struggle. The second thing is this. The beautiful thing about Jacob, if there's anything that we really see, what made him a candidate to be this person that God used? Because he persisted through the night. Like, he never gave up. He persisted in the struggle. You right now, are, you may have given up on reading God's word. I would persist. Don't stop now. Keep reading. Keep pulling God's word close. You may be wanting to, pers- you know, I don't want anything to do with God. I've been hurt, but I'm saying persist with God. Because here's the thing. Jacob put himself on an island. And I can't help but to think during the middle of that struggle, he started thinking about the people that he had pushed away. He'd already sent his kids and his wife and his all into danger all away from him. And so as he's wrestling through the night, I can't help but think that he's starting to think, you know, this just ain't about me. Why is it that Jacob wrestled through the night? I think he had a perspective that began to grow. And i got to pause for a second and say to anyone who's watching online, people in this room, that the statistically speaking, with the amount of people that are listening to this message right now, there are more than one person in this room that has contemplated suicide. There are people in this room, at some point, you have felt like your life isn't worth living. And I have just got to beg with you, plead with you, persist through the night. Persist. Don't give up. Stop fighting. Just like, never stop fighting. Keep fighting. Just wrestle through the night. Because here's the beauty of this. It's not just about you. When you realize that you have so many other people depending on you, and Jacob starts thinking about all of his family and all that was like, like I can't give up. And I'm begging you, don't give up. Never give up. God's never given up on you. Not only should you embrace the struggle, not only should you persist, I want to tell you that you got to seek clarity. you got to start asking better questions. You can read for yourself later in Scripture that he's like, what's your name? Like, I need you ask my name, but what's your name? And, like, he starts asking better questions. Okay, here's what I think about our life. We don't need better answers. We need better questions. Answers are easy. Questions are enlightening. And we got to start finding clarity because here's the beauty. I'm going to tell you to keep wrestling, keep fighting, but you don't have to do it alone. Jacob chose to fight by himself because he had distanced himself from his whole family. I'm telling you today, that doesn't have to be your story. Your story could be one is, I'm embracing the people around me for the fight. I'm embracing people to help me. I'm pulling people into my, I'm pulling people closer into my accountability. I'm pulling people closer into my circles of influence who really know what's going on. They feel my impulses. They know what I'm about to do, and they hold me accountable for it. You don't have to fight along. You and yourself, you don't have to persist by yourself. There are a room of people. We have people that are just ready to talk to you, but who want to fight with you. And people can help you see what you can't see. You have to keep seeing clear. 
and asking the question, God, if your word and your will are challenging me so much, then God, show me what you see that I can't see. One eternal perspective that God spoke to Jacob in this is your name isn't the past. Your name isn't deceiver. Your name is Israel, which become the name of a people who will always be with God. God will always fight with them, and they will always wrestle with me. It's no longer just about you. I'm looking at your future, and all you see is yourself. And when that pronouncement that it's no longer about you, things change. So we can have a new identity. We can actually have. And so, you know, I would just ask you, if this is the story of Jacob, when we ask you, how does this guy's story, this really weird story about a wrestling match, well, it's about a guy who told a lie, who stole, who didn't know who he was, didn't really have a, a good name, he didn't have a reputation. He had it all, but had nothing. He was like a guy who just like, I don't know where I'm going with my life. This is a story for all people who have had relationship problems, where you've got conversations, you know God's calling you to talk to someone, and you're like, no, 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 I'll do it my way. But what if we embraced that? And you can leave here today knowing this, that you can actually have a new identity and a new walk. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's, there's something that we don't see in the English when we read this. That as a Hebrew person who heard this as a Hebrew listener or a reader, there's something that's said in the scripture here. We just can't see it. That is so enlightening, and it points to Jesus. It's part of the bigger picture so much. That, well, why is it that a man wrestled? What is that word that wrestled? It's actually a word that means to grapple. And actually, there's a word in the old English that we don't use anymore. That's called be dust, B-E-D-U-S-T, be dust. It means to get dirty. What does that mean when you talk? A Hebrew person, we're like, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that God is going to come down here and get dirty? Like God wants to wrestle and get dirty? That's the point. And so this whole wrestling match with God coming to the earth and getting dirt caked on him is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus who does the exact same thing. He comes and he's born into this earth suit. He lives a, a perfect life to take on our dirt. So how does this point to Jesus? Well, it's simply this. There's a moment God said, I'm going to pull this car over. And he does it by sending his son Jesus. Not to harm us, but to help us. To be a sparring partner, to call us out when we're lying. To call our hand when we're cheating. To call, our, to call us out into righteousness, not to hurt us but to help us for his glory and our good. So the story of Jacob and one that points to a people who need redemption is the story that points to people who need a new name, who need a hope. And what I want to tell you is that you can have a new identity. You can have a new name. In 2 Corinthians, Paul told the church this way, for those who are in Christ Jesus, the old has gone away and the new is here. They are a new creation. And the beauty of that, it goes on to say that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know what you walked in here today. And I don't know, like you might be someone who has pushed people out of your circle. You may have found yourself on an island today just like Jacob. You, you may have pushed people away and you're like, I'll figure this out myself. And what if I told you God's got you right where he wants you? Like the situation you got yourself into is one that God's going to redeem. If we're willing to embrace it. If we're willing to wrestle with the truth of God today, if we're willing to pull close his word and his will, if we're willing to persist and we don't give up, and we're willing to ask better questions, God, 
what do you see that I don't see? Like, why would you even bother with me? And the questions are there. And we're, we're going to go to a time of response. And, and, and I just got to try to, my best to, to communicate this so clearly. Is that you have a Father in heaven who loves you so much that he's not worried about what's defined you to this point. He's worried about giving you a new name. So much so that he has already got himself dirty. He has already enslaved himself to a human body to fight a fight on your behalf. And I don't know what you brought here today, and I don't know what's going on in your life. And if it's simply to help you have a courageous conversation today, I want to encourage you with that. And Jacob goes on to try to have this conversation. And so what's beautiful about this, if you keep reading in the story, here's how it winds up. A man pushes everything in front of him, but when he sees his brother, it says this. It's a very peculiar line. He says, it was almost like I saw the face of God. Because not only was God working on him, he was working in his brother's heart. So what God's doing in your heart right now, just got to know that the God of the universe can be working in someone's heart that you're afraid of. And the conversation that you're afraid to have, what if God's already working on your behalf and all you got to do is step up and say, I'm sorry. Could it be that God is actually already working in your life? Could it be that God's already making, like he's going over your past and he's actually making it where all you got to do is show up and say, this is who I am and I need help. There's some people today that, that you're just, for the first time, you might have to say, this is my addiction and this is what I'm going through. I need to, uh, this is me, this is who I am. And I'm gonna embrace it. I, I'm gonna deny it anymore, I'm quit lying about it. This is who I am, this is what I'm doing. We, we got people in an incredible program called Regen. That's exactly what the, in Regen, people are simply saying this, you can sit with me. You can sit with me. I'll sit with you. If you're willing to raise your hand and be counted and be, just say, I embrace it. Those people will fight with you. They will persist with you. They'll help you gain clarity that you can't see yourself. And that program is designed to help us get clarity, to get real on where you are in life, to help us have courageous conversations with ourselves. Let me just face it. There's conversations that you're not having with yourself and you're still lying to yourself. What if you just got honest with yourself today and say, you know what? This is not who I'm created to be. God has a new name for me, and I'm ready to receive it. The beauty of that is you don't have to take it. You can receive it. Grace isn't claimed from thin air. It is received. And all you got to do today is just be willing to receive blessing, not take it and steal it. God's more ready to give than you are to ask more ready to listen than you are to respond. And I wanna pray with you, if you would stand with me, we're gonna respond and you, you might wanna come and take communion and taste and see that our God is good and that, that God is working and has been working on our behalf. We take communion, we remind ourselves, God got dirty on our behalf all the way to the grave. But the good news is Jesus walked out of that grave so that we could walk in a new direction as well. I want to pray over you, maybe because maybe today you want to take a step of baptism and you want to go public and you're like, you're claiming a new creation in Christ Jesus today. And we do that through baptism. And maybe you just want to stop by the connect corner. You just want to talk to somebody. You do not have to fight alone. We got people ready to fight with you 
to help us to embrace God's definition of us. Lord God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will come. And right now, God, I'm going to pray something dangerous. And, and we may regret this prayer. But God, get your hands on us. Jump on us. Do whatever. If you, Lord, I know like Jacob never saw you coming. There are people today who came here who had no idea they were going to get baptized. We got people who came here today that had no idea that they were going to find salvation in you. But God, you show up in our deepest hour of need. So God, show up moving us. Lord, even as the rain falls, let us be reminded that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. Everything we need comes from your hand. We can trust you. You are the God of ages who fights for us. So we make room for you, God, in our lives, moving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.